Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. We're going to get started now with sort of the discussion that we we have been planning, which is, I guess, a less halachic conversation um, and more kind of a social type of conversation, just about the idea of um, kiruv, of sort of bringing people closer, which is sort of a theme throughout the episode, particularly related to Hodaya and sort of her fears and concerns, right? She knows, obviously, that she's coming from a religious background, and she's chosen to leave that religious background. And she automatically assumes that anyone religious who's being nice to her <laughs> or who's, you know, like that everyone is trying to force her back to orthodoxy, right? Force her back to religious life. Um, you know, Yifat invites her for Shabbat dinner. That must be because Yifat wants to get her religious again. Her mom comes to visit her. That must be because her mom wants to get her religious again, right? Like uh, sort of all around. And it, and there's almost like a paranoia that Hodaya feels because she sort of just assumes no one, no one, sort of wants to give her autonomy over her own life choices, which is like not entirely untrue. <laughs> like her mom does want her to become religious again. Like he fought probably does too. And uh, you know, now that Asaf is becoming religious, he probably does too. Um, so it's like, she's not wrong, but it's also sort of a, this complicated thing of almost like, can she have relationships with these people who she has previously had relationships with? you know, across the differences without a them trying to, you know, make her religious again, or her assuming that that's their intention and sort of navigating that, um, that tension and, and sort of, it was easier when she talked earlier about having like sort of a clean cut, like she needs a clean cut from this, but somehow all this time later, she's still, all the people who she's in relation with are, are now religious. So, um, what does that mean? And just kind of thinking more broadly about this idea of kiruv, of sort of bringing people closer and the sort of benefits and also downsides of, um, you know, people feeling like they're being forced into something, they're being brainwashed into something, you know, their autonomy isn't being respected um, and so forth, which is sort of what Hodea seems to be feeling here. Yeah, Norm. Um, Hodea seemed less obsessed that everybody was, was trying to do, but, but jumping to the conclusion that just because her mother, who does want to bring her back, um, had visited Yifrat, that therefore Yifrat was in on it and was trying to do that. And that was unfair of her to jump to that conclusion about Yifrat and unfair to not give Yifrat a chance to defend herself if she wanted to. And she is really sort of obsessed about this. And yet it seems to me as somebody who, you know, is more centrist about some of these things that she wants to rub every from acquaintance or relatives that she has in the fact that she's not from, she's being secular and she's not, she's not, you know, she's like anti-religious and it's, it's, it's gotta be bothersome for other people. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, right. It is. And like, they, they want her to still be part of their lives because they care about her. And, and you know, she comments about the fact that her mom comments on the stuff that's in her fridge. And it's like, okay, like fair, but it's like, I, I see it, but at the same time, like her mom doesn't like 
throw those things out from her fridge. She just comments because it's still surprising, but she's, her mom seems to still care for her, still gives her a bag of, or offers her a bag of apples, right? Like, like all this stuff. Like these people seem to still genu- genuinely care, even if they're surprised by things. Um, but right, her, some, her, she sort of automatically just assumes the worst, um, of everyone that they're just, you know, that they don't care about her. They just care about making her religious, which seems to sort of be in some ways, not the opposite, but certainly doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, Debbie and Steve. I was just thinking of a scene that happened a long time ago. I don't know if you remember early in the first season or whatever, where Ryu's sister, the one that just had the baby in this in this episode, and um, and she's just talking to Ryu in, in her office, and she says, you know, something to the effect of secular people, I don't hang out with them. I mean, she was it was a really definite statement. Yes, yes. It's kind of like wow, and and I was thinking of. Hodeya, she doesn't have that option. Her, she can't do that. She can't just say, "Okay, I'm not hanging out with religious people." Um, this is this is something that she's going to be dealing with for the rest of her life. Her family, you know, she wants to be secular, non-religious. Her family's religious, and so this is going to be a, a lifetime struggle for her. She's just never going to have that option of just cutting them off. She can't do it. Yeah, I mean, her family is religious. Her older friends are religious. And even the friends that she tries to make who aren't religious are now becoming religious. <laughs> so it's like she can't win, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, we thought you were going to say. What are you going to comment on? No, I mean, yeah. I just, I think that there's, there's something very interesting about the general, like, theme of this episode that, um, everyone's trying to make the person they're involved with something different than they actually are. And, um, I think that to a certain extent, her finding out that Asaf is, maybe becoming more religious again or just went to shul and now is celebrating Shabbos. I, <laughs> that, that to me was like, oh, all of a sudden he's Orthodox because now he celebrates Shabbat. Okay. Um, but the fact that, that that is something that, um, that turns her off from him without even having a conversation about what does this mean for you? How did you return to this? I think you're right that she, that she doesn't have the luxury of being able to choose new friends. She's already in a life where she has, wow, you all keep raising your hands and it keeps moving and throws me off every time. Um, the, the, the fact that she has these friends already established is, is something that she just has to contend with. But when the people around her start to change in a different direction than she's hoping they do, then all of a sudden she has to, think about, well, what does that mean for me? Can I remain where I am if I'm happy as the person that I am? Um, and even as I was listening to Ride Pernick have this conversation with some of his folks beforehand, I I think that the Rayut um, Roe business is like, it's lovely that you all think she's being so kind to him and so loving to him and trying to take care of him. I I, I think she is. And I think she's setting herself up to be hurt. Um, because she's trying to turn him into something that he is not. And by doing that, she's creating someone that isn't actually there. And so, yes, when she wakes up and, or when he wakes up and she's laying there, like, okay, that's very sweet, but that doesn't mean that you're going to have a good marriage. Um, and it's the same thing with Asaf and with Hodaya. And, and I think that there's just, there's a lot in this episode of not recognizing what's actually in front of you. And the fact that, um, Asaf and Hodaya have this moment of 
kind of opposite dimensions of religiosity, I think is making her realize that he was pushing her away all along. And she just wasn't taking the hint to recognize that he was going through something. And she kept trying to bring him closer, which maybe pushed him away even further. Um, anyway, there's a lot, there's a lot else to say on this, but let's go. I think Michael had his hand up first. And then Denise and then Karen. Thank you, Rabbi. I just thought that Asaf was rather nasty to uh, his now former partner, to Hodayah, that uh, when she came in that Shabbat, he didn't seem to want to have a conversation. And I found that different than from Root and Rowie. At least Rowie, I think, is willing to talk talk and warn her and say, hey, this isn't going to work and trying to be really nice while Asaf just seems to be pushing her aside now. And I saw a real difference there. Although the bottom line is indeed the same. They're two incompatible couples. Yeah, I <clears throat> I don't, I, yes. I mean, I think, I think you're right that he wasn't 100% transparent I think that when people are in these situations of going through something and not knowing yet how to communicate it with their partner or with their family or whatever, that often you push people away before you're able to bring them back in and use them as support. And I think personally that that's what's happening here with Asaf. He said he would talk to her on Sunday. She was the one who then got on a bus and made sure she was there on Friday because as she said to the dog, um, <laughs> what good news comes on a Sunday? Well, if you're a from Jew, all the news comes on a Sunday and not on Shabbat. So I, I think that I think that you're right. I think there is a lack of um, awareness, but I'm not sure that there's a lack of kindness. I think he's just working through something um, that he doesn't yet know how to express. And he knows that she is going to have a hard time with this information, given her own religious journey. So I don't know. I, I had... Okay, I'm just going to stop. To, I have That's a what I wanted to say. Thank you, Rabbi. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Denise. So I felt like with Asaf, I felt like he was, um, I felt like he has, I think you guys all know this. I don't think he's been the greatest boyfriend all along. Even at the beginning when it was all lovey-dovey, it was like, almost like a game to him. It felt like. And um. I think that part of what's hard about the religious part for Hodayah is that he was so anti and he made fun of it and he mocked her when she had vestiges of it's like you now are you kidding me like you know I, I think it's about that as much as it might be about any specific hashkafic issue I think it's just like who are you to make yeah. fun of me, step on me, disrespect every single view I have, and then you go do it and don't even have the guts to say? Like, no. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's an element in the Asaf storyline. And then this whole thing about the religious people wanting to turn people non-religious or non-religious people religious. And I'm just wondering if that's like a human nature thing because um, so I was raised by a Jewish family who loved being Jewish, but also loved being secular. 
and they had lots of friends. We had lots of friends from a million different backgrounds, not one of whom was excited for me to become more religiously observant. And I remember, you know, and my parents, I mean, you know, like they would make fun of Jewish things and then come home from Samoa and tell me how cool it was at the chief's house when they had bottles on the front lawn for the dead. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, but like, and, you know, and one of their closest friends was a Hindu family and the mom, and I'm still really good friends with the kids, but the mom was like telling me, you know, Denise, if you decide to cover your hair and everything and not drive on the weekend, like, you know, you're just going to lose me. And I'm thinking like, you're standing here with a hot pink polka dot on your forehead talking to me about not going with my traditions. Like, how is that even possible? You know, and so, so, and in the end, you know, once I did it and I was still me, everybody was fine. But there was a lot of resistance beforehand and a lot of fears and a lot of everybody's own stuff playing out. Yes, a hundred percent. There's, there's always fear with change. Um, and especially when it's religious change, um, there's much to say on that. I want to hear what Karen has to say, and then I'll go back to that, to that point in a second. Karen. I wasn't so sure when she went to Asaf's place, when she said, this is what you want to talk to me about. I wasn't sure whether it was the female sitting there and he had somehow gotten into a different relationship, that young one there. Um, I didn't think it was, it just made me think he had somebody else. Now, if somebody else could be observance, see, Right. But I don't know how that where how that came to him. I mean, because he was so disinterested in religiosity. So I, I don't know what that'll turn out to be. But I think and that's why he said Sunday. This is why you want. Yeah. To and the other. So, thing, oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, the other thing is I forgot. Okay, well, raise your hand again when you remember. I will. Um, so to the point, to that point, and Denise made a similar point as well. Um, you know how they always say that daughters have a hard time getting along with their moms because there's so much that they see that their mother sees in them and that they see in their mom. And okay, obviously not across the board, but, um, my mom and I are, are now great friends and everything's fine. I saw a lot in my mom because I I knew those as quote flaws in my personality, in my existence. Internet is okay. Yeah, I think you're cutting in and out. Please. Rabbi, we lo- unfortunately we lost some of your comments, and they were good. Maybe you should repeat them. Uh-huh. Yeah, you seem to be back now. Okay. So. Yeah. Can you um, I can repeat myself. I'm very good at repeating myself, actually. I can do it. Um, don't laugh at me. Um, so growing up, seeing a lot of the things that I saw about myself that I was annoyed with or unhappy with that were that were coming at me from my mom, because they were a part of her personality as well, that now I don't see as flaws, right? I just see them as part of our shared personality. Um, but she was also seeing things in me that annoyed her when she was a teen. And so we butt heads. And I think that sometimes speaking to Asaf's 
like making fun of Judaism and all those kinds of things at the beginning of this season. I think that one of the things that happens when you are overthinking a change in your life or overthinking a, a, um, a personality kind of existence in your, um, in your narrative, you tend to make fun of it to see what other people's reactions are going to be to it because you want to know if you ended up kind of playing that role, what other people would think. And so I think that, that there's some of that there, right? We saw with the tattoo that he was not happy about that. There are certain things that he's kept very consistent about his religious narrative, but there are other things that he has at least tried out to be a little bit more secular and say negative things about so that he, in my mind, he can try out what it might be like to see a reaction to those kinds of behaviors. That's number one. Number two, um, my agent, Rai Pernick, told me that I should uh, share this story, so I'm going to. Um, th- when I was in college, I was very involved with Aish HaTorah, which some of you might know what Aish HaTorah is. It is a Kiruv uh, organization. Do they call themselves an organization? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and my family became very nervous that I was going to be so involved in this Orthodox community that I was being submerged into because that's what many of these Kiru uh, communities and organizations do. They try to really suck you in that they were nervous that I was going to go what they would say off the deep end um, and become so from that I wouldn't eat in their home or speak to them or hug my cousins or anything like that. None of that happened, obviously. Um, and in fact, what I tell most often about that part of my life is that it actually solidified for me in many ways why I feel so strongly about the movement that I'm in. Um, because I saw the pieces of this movement that were difficult for me, and it solidified for me why the conservative movement was where I wanted to become a rabbi and, and live my life. <laughs> so I think that Kiruv organizations can at times bring a lot of support to people who are lost in their Jewish journeys, and also can just be communities that show a very lively version of Judaism that is appealing, especially to a college student away from home. But it doesn't have to be that it's a negative thing. I think a lot of people think of it as negative and overwhelming and um, and destructive and, at times. And I don't think, from personal experience, I don't think that it always has to be that way. But the healthier you are in your own religious journey and your own religiosity, um, I think the better going into a Kiruv organization uh knowing how you might come out the other end. How did I do? Oh, my yeah. thumbs up. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's true. And I think, you know, what you're describing on your parents end, right, I think is often the case of sort of there's an assumption. And I think, you know, people often feel the same way about Chabad. Of like, there's an assumption of, like, bad intent almost. Like, there's an assumption that, like, oh, you're trying to change who I am. You're, you know, you're, you don't respect who I, you know, who I am and the choices I've made and things like that. And, like, not to say it's it entirely unfounded those concerns, but like also sort of if you if you trust the person that you raised, then hopefully you trust the you know their decision making abilities. And like yeah, I mean my sister when she became from in college, it wasn't age, it was more, but it was similar. And like 
there's the same concerns about brainwashing and right, all those kinds of things. But like, um, I mean, and you know, you all know my parents, like they're not like <laughs> anti-religious fanatics. Um, and like, it, you know, she ended up, you know, meshing from, but like meshing that with like being in the modern world, you know, it's like she like did, right. She didn't give up her autonomy. She, you know, like she found a way to, to sort of combine this religious journey she wanted to take, you know, with, uh, with like, being still the person who she always was so you know but again Hodaya, i think right and there's some of this like black and whiteness um and i think that's you know Hodaya sort of assumes a black and white all or nothing and like in the truth is rabbi shot says and, and my sister would say similarly like it's often more complicated and people like you know they might not be doing it for bad intentions and some people who are going on this path might not you know might not like end up going all the way and becoming fundamentalists, like they could just be sort of finding the things they find value in, you know, in parts of this path. And before I call on you, Karen, I I also think that Kiruv organizations such as Aish, such as Chabad, um, often get a bad rap, especially in liberal communities where you know of families whose children have been taken away from them to a certain extent in terms of the, the Jewish home that they grew up in. I would just argue and offer that when you're on a college campus, for me, the reason I became so involved in Asian, I know that Sarah, uh, Josh's sister, and I have had conversations about this, that there, there was an element of that feeling more like home, even though I didn't grow up in an Orthodox household, because Shabbat dinner was in a home, not in a dining hall. It was much more centered around a Shabbat experience as opposed to let's eat and then go to the bars at Indiana University. So the the idea of being in a place that was going to surround me in Judaism, whether or not the intention and by the way, the rabbis that I, the rabbi, his wife, um, who ran H when I was in college were, are superb human beings. And I don't believe had a malicious bone in their body. So I'm not speaking about the people. I'm speaking more about um, the stereotype of the organizations. And I think that, that the, uh, the community, the the ambiance that they created in their home for college students to participate in holidays and Shabbat together was exactly what college students wanted away from home from their Judaism. So though I didn't become a fanatic Orthodox Jew, um, it was something that really did give me a Shabbat life that I wouldn't have had um, had I just done Hillel, which was also an amazing experience, but just been at Hillel for all of Shabbos. Okay, Karen and then Norm or Rachel. Maybe what I'm saying is the same as you're all saying, but when I work with people who are converting to Judaism or take on cultural things, the people who they're in their lives wonder about what their relationship will be. Can we still, you're my daughter still. Yeah, my, my friend. Can we yeah. be friends? What's going to happen to the relationship? It's not yeah. so much about, oh, you're doing that? Ugh. I think it is more about relationship. Mm-hmm. Can we still be close? Mm-hmm. And also, for those converting, what's going to happen to you when you die? So that's mm-hmm. a very big thing. And you have to agree to disagree. 
and not necessarily talk about that too much. But the assurance that we can still be friends is a very important thing. And a, yes, I'm still your mother. If you can be open to those discussions and embrace that. Yeah. I think that's, you know, it's not, that's what I think. It's extremely wise. And I think that it goes from any level of religiosity to any other level, right? So even if you grow up in a reform household and then you become modern Orthodox, or if you grow up in a conservative household and you become Haredi, um, I think that any change does exactly what you just said. And um, Josh's brother-in-law, who is married to his sister, um, who I grew up with, grew up in a very conservative home and environment. And as soon as he became modern Orthodox, I remember thinking to myself, what is, how is this relationship going to be different or the same? And I will tell you, it was not immediate that it was the same. There were pieces that, that were awkward to now have to kind of navigate in terms of, oh, I don't hug him when I see him. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to interact in a different way than we did before. And now it's completely fine. And I wouldn't think anything of it, but I think you're right. And it's very wise to remember that that is happening even for conversion students within their own family who isn't Jewish at all. Norma, Rachel, or Anne. It was me this time. Uh, my, what, I wanted to, to raise a few responses, mostly to what you said, Rebecca, about your experience with age. One of the difficulties of someone who's grown up in day school and then and is from a conservative and very engaged family, goes to college and Hillel isn't enough. Whatever that college is offering is Jewish life doesn't fill the the patterns that the student wants to continue to have. So they will go to Aish or go to Chabad. Um, and I want to say from the parents' concern, if you're not a particularly observant Jewish person, or maybe even if you are, there's some practitioners in those movements that it becomes kind of culty. And I think that really frightens families. Yeah. It's not that my child is embarking on this, this different kind of religious expression, or as Karen said, that, that, you know, our relationship is changing. It's that my kid is joining a cult. Yeah. I remember. I remember my parents saying almost verbatim that, you know, that we, we don't want you to join. We don't want you to join an institution that's not going to allow us to say that we are, we were your parents. And again, I think some of that is real. And some, and a lot of that I think is stereotypical of those, those organizations. Um, but I, but yeah, you're, you're a hundred percent correct. And um, I've never been a parent to a college student. So I don't, I don't know what that is like to hear that kind of information. Something um, you can look forward to. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gonna be great. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, I know that at first my parents were hurt, actually. And I say all of this, by the way, as now I went to Indiana University, if you didn't catch that. I, now I'm on the board of the Hillel at IU, and I comment all the time on the fact that there are certain things that Hillel used to do more of because I went to H to find the things that they weren't doing. So this isn't... This isn't me saying this and not hoping that Hillel's and, you know, CJLS's and all those, all those different, um, types of Hillel thingies on campus couldn't do more to allow their students to remain in that environment and to feel the same thing. But again, I think the, the feeling of Shabbat at my particular time on campus was most felt by being in those kinds of, um, uh, environments. Renee. I think also the fear for families if once they become involved in becoming more religious or the opposite, becoming less religious, really, it's the, I, I think it becomes a question to the families of what role will I now play in my child's right. life? Right. Right. If the, if the kid is more religious than the parents, you know, will they not no longer be able to have meals together because of right. root? Yeah. Or the other way. Um, so I think yeah, that's I, a big concern. I went to Sinai Akiva and um, and then I went to Milken, but a lot of my friends went to Shohevet, which is uh, an Orthodox school, modern Orthodox school down down the way. And uh, one kid who's a few years older than I am um, went to Shohevet and then went off to Israel for a year and said that he was coming back afterwards. He still hasn't come back <laughs> um, and became very, very, very from. And... I wasn't part of the conversations that my parents were having with his parents or their friends, but that's what you just, you know, that hit the nail on the head for many families who feel like if you become any more religious than our house is, right, will you come back to our house and eat or will you do Shabbat with us or how can we practice with you um, or how will you practice with us? Will you come to my shul? Um, those those kinds of things. I think you're you're exactly right. And people need to be aware of that and have those conversations with their kids if they're worried about it. Right. Mm-hmm. At the same time, also, the communities like Aish and whatnot also provide an opportunity for kids who maybe went to secular programs like Free Don when he when he started at AJU and he got more involved in Aish, he was he felt more comfortable because he was finally around a group of people that were more that had shared more of his upbringing than when he went to the junior college where there were a whole mix of people but he couldn't go into the cafeteria and just sit and eat lunch with them in the cafeteria because it wasn't kosher. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay, Rabbi Barbara the other thing is, I think that parents project ahead. And if their child isn't going to come home and eat and celebrate holidays, how much worse it is. Because it, when the child gets married, maybe they won't get to be a part of their grandchildren's life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, I think, yeah. But I think there's a few pieces. I think there's that piece. You know, I think, like, in my family with my sister, it was more like the autonomy question, which is kind of related to Hodaya, you know, that right, coming from a reform background, obviously my dad's a reform rabbi, like, right, reform, reform, the reform movement is all about autonomy, like, right, that's sort of the word I would use to describe reform Judaism is autonomy, right, everyone sort of has their own ability to make decisions about what they're going to observe and whatnot, and, you know, when, 
Sarah started changing her practices and, you know, and the reason often was, you know, my rabbi recommend, you know, my rabbi said it's, you know, I should probably stop doing this or I should stop doing this because orthodoxy is not as much about autonomy, right? And I think that was, right, like, there, there are those pieces and I think that's what Hodaya is feeling. Like, she's trying to assert her autonomy mm-hmm. and, you know, her, like, autonomy is not really a value so much in the orthodox world and she knows that because she grew up in the orthodox world and so she's worried that people are going to try to sort of, like, take away her autonomy and again, like we're not actually seeing that happen so much. Like people do seem to be giving, like giving her some space to make decisions for herself. But that seems to be like a big part of her concern is that she knows, like, right, autonomy isn't a big value. Like people want, you know, Orthodox people, especially Orthodox parents of their Orthodox or formerly Orthodox children, like want them to be Orthodox. Like they want them to be firm. Like so, she knows that, but. You know, as a result, she sort of just sort of assumes, oh, everyone's trying to force me to do something, even though they're not really forcing her to do anything. Well, I think I also think that all parents, again, not being one, but what I've what I've seen in my own um, is that all parents want their children to be like the household that they created, that they grew up in, right? So it's not just that it's someone who grew up Orthodox wants their, wants their kid to remain Orthodox. It's also someone who grew up Reformed wants their kid to remain Reformed because you know that that's a comfort that you share. And so as soon as that changes, even just Reformed to Conservative, right, as soon as that changes, all of a sudden there is there's nervousness and there's, there's a worry that something's not going to be, um, not going to be as, seamless or as comfortable as it once was. Um, Yeah, Leonard and Rebecca. Yeah, I was just thinking about uh, uh, role models and how sometimes in families, um, like in my family where there's a mixture uh, of observances, if there's a family where you see that siblings, you know, some Orthodox, not some, some not Orthodox, you know, get along, they get along with the parents, you know, you kind of can see that as the um, a role model for whatever the subsequent generations do. And I was just yeah. thinking back, we had an episode where Hodaya's sister's daughter came to <laughs> visit. And I think when she got off the bus, she took her dress off, you know, she had some, some uh, pants on, whatever, you know, she was kind of thinking, oh, this is great. I can be with my uh, cool aunt Hodaya and, you know, do things different. And Hodaya wasn't comfortable with that. I don't think, you know, she was still going through some of her own exploration of, you know, how, uh, how observant or not she wanted to be, but here was this young impressionable teenager, you know, looking, you know, to her and she wasn't, you know, comfortable in that role. And you recall when she said, Oh, I, I went to the hotel, you know, I went to the wall and anyway, um, you know, the episode, I guess, turned out um, more favorably than Hodaya had thought it might, but it's interesting that, yeah, you know, you, uh, you, you may be thrust into this role model role and not want to accept it. And that's what happened with her. Yeah, and I think even there, she didn't care so much about her own journey away from it. She didn't want her niece to go away from it because there's so much good in that world. Don't you want to stay in it? It's like, hello, <laughs> what? you're telling us, the audience, that you are moving away from this because you can't find any good in it. So the fact that you you can 
try to project to your niece that that's the world to stay in is very interesting. And again, goes back to this whole idea of change is really hard. And even if you can see yourself going through it, seeing someone else go through it is so much harder. Um, the other thing that I was going to say, and I forgot before, is that the the moment with the mom and Hodaya that I thought was so interesting is that she doesn't actually seem to be focusing so much on Hodaya, but more the boyfriend, right? Is he good for her? Is he religious? No, he's not going to come back to being religious. Of course, at the end of the episode, he does. That was a little bit of foreshadowing. But she's really, she believes in her daughter's ability to come back. She's blaming the boyfriend that he's not going to allow her to come back because if he's you know, gonna, gonna suggest to her that this is a better life to live and oh, look at her refrigerator. Then all of a sudden she's lost her child and not because of her child, but because of her partner. So I thought that was also a very interesting way into a parent's kind of psyche about their children. They always believe that their child has the ability of coming back to that and, uh, and it's someone else's, uh, fault. Yeah. Okay. Rabbi Barbara and then Denise. Um, you know, I was thinking, or I guess projecting my wish on Hodea and Asaf, you know, they both could have learned from each other and they could have built, this is, this is the reform me. Um, they could have built a Judaism that works for them as a couple, but you know, she wasn't telling him the whole truth. He wasn't telling her the whole truth. And so they never had it. They never had a chance to even get to that point. Whereas she might say, well, I like having Travis every week. And he might say, you know, oh, yeah, that would be great. As long as we can go to the movies afterwards or something. It's it just obviously they weren't mature enough to do that. And in any way, it's not. I'm not the writer of the story. And I, but I think that, that one of the main things that, and someone mentioned this way at the beginning is communication, right? If there are many people that come from different backgrounds that can be in relationship together, Jewish or not Jewish, they can be in relationship together very successfully. It just takes talking about it. It takes talking about what are your hard lines? What are my hard lines? How can we create a home together where you do this a little bit this way and I do this a little bit that way? But ultimately, if the two of us want to be together, we can make it work. But that takes communication, which they don't don't have. And they aren't talking about it. So, yeah, of course, even if he does become whatever version of religious he's going to become and she maybe not secular, but stays, you know, less religious than he is, of course it can work. They just have to talk about how it's going to work. And if that doesn't happen, then there's no chance that it can work because they're going to both assume that they live very different lives than if they just spoke about it and recognize that there are similarities. Denise. So I'm just wondering, because you were talking about Hodaya's mom and, and that she's focused on the boyfriend. And and I'd forgotten about that till you mentioned this. But then when she goes to Yifat, she she mentions the boyfriend and she and she says to Yif, to Yifat, she just doesn't seem happy, you yeah. know, which I think was spot on. Yeah. And I don't think the mom thought it was about being religious or not religious. I think that she attributes it to the boyfriend, and kind of so do I. So I think Upsoft is really not good for her. 
Yes. And I think that as I started, I think that Asaf really isn't good for her. And I think that she's trying to make Asaf really good for her. And yeah, uh, there are ways in which you just have to say, this relationship is not going to work. So I am going to move on, even if that doesn't sound fun, because that's a lot harder than just staying in a relationship that you think you can mend. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It might not have anything to do with religiosity, but um, she clearly is not happy. Yeah, Michael. I think you have to unmute first. Yeah. Just if I can for one second, I have to make one naughty comment for the night. I thought he was the best he's been in any episode the entire <laughs> since we started last fall. A hundred percent. And <laughs> interestingly, his relationship is the only I mean it's not it's not like a full fledged relationship yet, but his communication and his understanding with this woman, Daphna, is much healthier than everything else going on (laughs) Um, because of her, by the way, I will just put that out there. Um, She is very good with setting limits and saying, this is how things are going to be, take it or leave it. And he likes that. Um, But it is interesting that the tables have turned. I actually think that Josh's dad last week mentioned that, that like all of a sudden now the relationship that Nati is having is somehow the most successful and the other relationships are really having a harder time keeping up. Uh, but that makes good TV. So yeah, Renee. I agree with Michael. My only concern is that if he gets, allows himself, well, same as what the mother expressed, that if he gets himself too close to the kid, and then he ends up disappointing the kid, it's going to be really horrific for the kid. Yeah. And the mom. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the kid. Yeah. Um, chime in. Um, welcome. Thank you. Um, you know, like I think Nati though, once she brings it up, he sort of recognizes, Oh, okay. I need to think, you know, and that's right. Because Daphne mentioned it, but it's sort of like, okay, I need to, think seriously about that. You know, I talked about the, title, the last scene of the show is him having Shabbat lunch by himself while she's with him having Shabbat lunch together. And like, I think the implication is he could have gone over to their house for Shabbat lunch rather than being all alone, but he sort of opted for the moment to like stay in the hospital and just have lunch there because he is like, thinking about like he doesn't want to just sort of jump right in but that's old Nazi would have just gone to their house sort of not thinking about the consequences and now he's sort of he's more pensive and more reflective on like okay should I do this like there you know if I go to their house I'm sort of sending a message is that the message I want to send um he set that limit because she set that limit yeah he, he understood that limit and you know okay well, we will see you next week and uh, enjoy. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.